0: On today's episode of the Korea Pact podcast, we're changing it up a little bit. We're talking about money and some of the money mistakes to avoid as young individuals. If you guys have been enjoying the recent episodes, make sure you guys follow the pod, share it with a friend, and check us out on all socials at the Korea Pact podcast on every platform. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy this little twist in the pot. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 35 of the Kriya podcast. I'm your host, Neil Patel, and on this pod, we do some pretty cool shit. We combine creativity and impact and hopes to give more than I can get. And all of you people who are new joining, um, welcome. I'm doing something, again, pretty cool. A podcast every single day for 365 days straight, man it has been a fun 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 journey and i'm excited to see where this goes because i think after the first year when i finish doing 365 days straight i'm gonna try to do a daily email or like a daily newsletter every single day um i've been kind of slacking on it on what i'm or not kind of i have been slacking on uh, my email newsletter and all the things that come with it but Right now, I am focused on this pod. And like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to switch it up a little bit today. I want to try to do this segment once a week where we talk about money, right? And I'm going to call it like Money Talks or whatever it is. That's what the title is. So if you guys have any better title suggestions, please let me know. But what we're going to be talking about today is some of the mistakes to avoid um, early on in our life, in our early 20s, our 20s in general, even teenage years, like from 16 to 20, and full disclaimer, I just want to let you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert on money by any means, and honestly, uh, these four things that I'll be talking about today are the things that I am working on myself, and I was watching this YouTube video, um, he's a finance YouTuber, his name is Ali Abdaal, and I got... um these topics from his video and it was super interesting super fascinating the way he broke down the frameworks and I just thought it applied to my life really well I know it applies to some of my friends and just people in general so that's why I wanted to talk about it today so how does this apply to my life and why do I want to talk about this well ever since the last two and a half years probably um since probably middle of 2020, end of 2020, I don't know, Um, ever since COVID. I've kind of been fascinated with the idea of money ever since I started to have to pay my own bills and all that shit. I was consumed by it, and I've always wanted to make a lot of it. And throughout that journey over the past few years, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned a lot of uh, lessons behind the value of money, how to use it, how to spend it, how to maximize it. All of those things, you know, I've lost money making dumb decisions and, you know, I've made money while um, working. So I've had the tail of both ends. So I just wanted to talk about a couple of the mistakes that I see or I feel like a lot of people get into and mistakes that they make that I myself work on and I hope you guys get something out of this. So here's the first one. The first one is people start to invest too late. They start investing too late. I am also guilty of this. If I had started investing when I was 18 instead of starting to invest when I was like 20 or 21, like for real, for real, those two or three years, I know you guys listening, you guys may think it's just a couple years, not that big of a deal. But for me, I kind of regret it. I wish I had started working a lot earlier than I did. I didn't start working until I was 19. My sister and parents always told me to start working when I was 15, 16. I was always against the idea, but now I know why they said that. And if I had you know, taken up on that opportunity to go start working when I was a little bit younger, I feel like I would have gotten into a way better habit of investing earlier, understanding money better, and letting compound interest just do all the work for me and a bigger part of this investment thesis is that it builds good habits. I think the longer you wait to start investing your money, it it'll it'll essentially just make you late to the party, late to the game, to whatever it is because compound interest, man, it is a very very lucrative thing if used properly and the quicker you start the better compound interest will play in your favor the older you get and the more your income increases throughout the years that you work so in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s of course our income is going to increase due to our skills and our abilities getting better employers will pay us more or if we start our own business we'll have more skills, make more money, all that stuff. So the sooner we start the better. That's the first one is people start to invest too late. I was guilty of it. So if you're listening to this and you have a couple $20, 30 $50, 100 on the side, and if you want to invest it, just put it into a index fund. Put it into the SPY fund, like the top 500 companies in um, the U.S. or America or whatever it is, and just invest it into something simple, but just let your money work for you a little bit because over the next 10 years, if you put aside 100 to 200 bucks every month, it will be in your favor. The second one, the second mistake to avoid, and this one I actually suck at, is spending money on low value things. Now, why do I say that I suck at this? Because I have spent a fair amount of money on things that didn't serve me and things that I didn't need. I've bought things and I realized I didn't need them and I was too lazy to go return it. Yeah, I've I've been there and I do it here and there still. So, that's why I suck at these things. For example, I know the, for for me specifically, I like spending, like, when I first bought my car um, a couple years ago, uh, I, I have friends, I have pretty, really close friends, best friends, actually, that have, like, really nice cars, and I wanted to spend money on making my car look nice, and... I spent a good amount of money, like I wouldn't, it wasn't in like in thousands, but it was definitely in the hundreds to make my car look better, make my car look nice, uh, all of those things. And I realized I was like, why, why am I doing that? It doesn't like, it brings me some sort of joy for a little bit. And then it's just like, oh, whatever. Essentially, that money was just spent on a low value thing. In the moment when I was buying the thing, I thought it was high value and that it would, would make me much more happier to drive the car xyz but it was like yeah like it's cool but it doesn't really affect me much in the long term and there's a law it's called the law of diminishing returns it's something that ali talks about in the video and by the way i'll link this video in the description so if you guys want to go check it out for yourself i think he does a tremendous job of breaking everything down explaining frameworks and giving way better examples than i am But the law of diminishing returns says that the more you have of a particular thing, the less happiness you'll get from that thing. So the common one is, you know, let's just use the iPhone, for example. People go from the iPhone 10 to the 11 Pro to the 12 Pro to the base 13, then the base 13 uh, Pro or, or excuse me, 13 Pro. And then they have like a mini version. They have a max version. Excuse me. And then they go to the iPhone 14. And I feel like every year, society tells us that these new phones are so much better and they have so many much, so many better features than the old ones that when we actually get the new phone, it doesn't feel that much different. So for I, I have the iPhone 13 right now, just the base. Uh, that's what I use every single day. I bought this close to a year ago. And before this one, I had the iPhone 11. And honestly, I don't see any difference. They're kind of the same. So... Aside from more storage, that's pretty much it. I feel like the best thing that iPhone users have to look forward to is like all these updates and cool features, which are great. Don't get me wrong. But me personally, I just don't think they they feel that different from the previous generation of iPhones. So just like that. And I, I actually have a little bit more of a personal example Um I've been meaning to buy a camera recently for my pod so I can start doing video podcasting and uploading it all across social media, which I'm getting closer to doing. So don't worry, it's coming. So, and I've been watching a lot of videos on it. And of course, I could just go out and buy a nice fancy $600 camera and go ham on it. But I don't know if that's what I really need. So in this idea of buying and spending money on low value things i've started to, i told myself i was like hey do i really want this high quality of a thing or do i want it because of how it's shown in society like when i'm watching all these videos of podcasters they have such high end equipment everything looks so clean and crisp and all that stuff and and again i have spent a fair amount of money on doing this podcast really well <clears throat> i've probably spent like upwards of 5 five, $600. It's not in the thousands though. Some of the stuff that these podcasters use, like some of the cameras they use are just thousands and thousands of dollars. So I told myself, I was like, Hey, I could just get a $60 camera instead of a $500 one for now. And I feel like my quality will be a little bit better. It'll sound a little bit better. And I'm upgrading just not from zero to a hundred, maybe like zero to 10, zero to 20. And over time, The more this podcast grows, the better it gets, the better I become as a podcaster or whatever you want to call me, then maybe I'll upgrade to a better camera. But as of right now, I told myself, this is what I just needed. Another question that you can ask on, you know, if you're spending money on low value things is, is there anything else that you'd rather spend your money on? For example, books, I don't know, a website domain, groceries, a cool experience where you could go travel somewhere with your friends, a lamp for like your bedroom, I don't know. But if you know that you can take this money that you're about to spend on this low value item and take that money for something and spend it on, that'll give you a better experience and it has a better use case for the dollars that you're going to spend, spend your money on that thing. You don't have to buy this low value thing that that one was a little bit uh frame breaking so cuz i we all have made impulsive decisions and impulsive purchases but just taking the time to ask yourself that question i think it goes a long way and again i'm going to go back to my car stuff because i've spent a lot of money on like parts for my car um and another question that ali mentions that you can ask yourself is do i really want it or do i like the idea of it I like the idea of people driving by my car and be like, "Oh my gosh, like that's a cool car. Like it looks really nice. I like your I like your bumper, your rear tail lights. I like the way your um your mirrors, like all that shit." I like the idea of it, but do I really like want it? Do I really need it? Like is what I have right now really that bad? No. And these these are the I wouldn't want I don't want to say mistake, but it's like because yes, my car does look cool, but like Does it bring me that much more happiness now every day when I like go walk up to it? It really doesn't. Like it just is. And same thing, the law of diminishing uh, returns like I talked about earlier. It doesn't bring me that much more, you know, happiness anymore. It's just it is what it is. It's something that I can use from get to one place to another. The third one. The third one is a big one. I feel like I have a good balance of this, but I'll, I'll tell you what it is first. You get stuck in the cheapskate mindset, which is the third mistake to avoid when we're young. Spending too little money on potentially valuable things. I think when we don't have enough money or when we don't have a job that pays us really well, we're, we're very, very focused on being frugal, and that is okay. I myself, am trying to be more frugal as I speak to, like I said, cut back on spending things of low value, right? However, I think it is okay to be a reasonable spender. There is a difference between, you know, counting every dollar, every penny before you make a purchase decision or someone who like completely overspends on everything versus someone who is a reasonable spender. Someone who just like, if they need something, they find like a decent deal. They're not going to think about it too much. They're just going to like go out and buy it because you need that thing. You're not overspending. You're not spending thousands of dollars, but you're not also cutting yourself cutting yourself short. You just go and get that thing. And I feel like I have a good balance of it. Some, some of my friends, if you guys are listening to this, you guys may disagree, <laughs> but I don't think I'm someone who's a complete cheapskate, but I don't think I'm someone who just like throws money away at things i some things still i may but i feel like i'm a lot better than what i used to be and i'm sure we all know the person who you know has to calculate everything down to the last penny or dollar before buying something and i don't have a problem with that i just think you know you waste so much time trying to find cheap things when you could just buy the thing save all that time and energy and of course, this is within reason, right? Like, don't just go out and buy, you know, I don't know, like a like a $3,000 laptop that you don't need, right? We can be reasonable, right? But there's a difference between, like I said, being completely cheap and knowing how to spend your money well, that brings you some sort of value, some sort of peace, and it has a use case. Right? Like for example this like this mic that I'm using on my pod, like I could have gotten a um way cheaper mic for like twenty thirty dollars, right I could have saved that forty or fifty dollars, so that's that's the lower <laughs> end, or I could have spent something upwards of five or six hundred dollars on a really really nice mic high quality you don't hear any like background noise, nothing like that, very very good, but the one that I chose to go with it was like in the middle it was like 70 80 dollars and i bought two of them so i spent a total of 140 dollars when i could have spent like 50 or 60. i don't think i overspent because these mics are they have great ratings they have great reviews a lot of people use them and they are great for um they're it's a dynamic mic right so i could talk a little bit far away i could talk a little bit closer or just like in between they have different Types of use cases in the sense that you could use an XLR cable, you can use a USB, you can use the little audio input, whatever it is. There's many different ways to use this mic. That's what I mean. And another, this <laughs> is this is also pretty, uh, pretty, pretty funny because um, I'm using this thing in my life right now. So I've told a couple of people that um, you know I got a personal trainer and. You know, I told you guys, obviously on the pod and I've told some of my coworkers about it, some of my friends and they're like, and I, and they are like, their first question was like, oh, how much are you spending on that? And I was like, oh, I'm spending this amount. And they're like, oh my God, you spend that much money on that when you could, you know, you could just go to planet fitness or this gym for $10 a month or $20 a month or whatever it is. And I'm like, yo, hold on. You're not considering the benefits that I get while having a personal trainer. The money that I'm spending for a personal trainer, it has an amazing use case, and I know I can afford it right now. I don't have to worry about pushing myself because I know I have a trainer right next to me to make sure I'm getting the most out of every single workout. I don't have to figure out or write down my workouts. I just show up and he just tells me what to do. I don't have to worry about what to eat or how much of it to eat or... Um, The macros that I have to worry about or not worry about. He just tells me like, hey, this is what you got to eat. This is what you got to do. And this is how you're going to lose weight if you stay consistent on this pattern. So, yes, am I spending money, a fair amount of money on a personal trainer? Absolutely. But it's money well spent because it has a very, very important and deep use case. So it's like, hey, like, why don't you get a personal trainer for yourself? And then you'll understand why the value of it is so important. And by the way, the the amount that I'm paying for a personal trainer is re- relatively low compared to what a lot of personal trainers charge. A lot of personal trainers charge a lot of fucking money for the amount of training that they get. Me, I personally, like, I'm I'm in the hundreds, right? Like, very, very, very low excuse me, very low hundreds. So it's affordable and it's great. And This is another one is my haircuts, right? I used to go to this place really close to my house. It was like seven bucks. And then over the past like five years, they've increased it to like 12 per haircut. But I went to this place and it was, it was an academy. So it was like a bunch of people who are still in the process of getting certified and getting their hours in and they're essentially learning They're students of, uh, their barbers, their barber students, whatever the fuck you call it. But sometimes I would get, you know, good barbers. Sometimes I would get like complete beginners. Sometimes it would take two, two and a half hours to get a haircut. Um, sometimes I would have to be like, Hey, no, this is like, this part's messed up. You have to fix this or, they would not understand what I'm trying to tell them or how, they wouldn't know how to give like a proper fade. Or if I show them a picture of what I want, they're not able to replicate it to the exact way that I want it. And I was paying, you know, like 12 bucks, you know, with tax or whatever, like tip. It's like, just call it 15. Right. And I did that for like four or five, six years. And as of like this past, like year and a half, two years, I, I got my own barber. Um, and, Again, he charges a fair amount of money, but I don't have to worry about my haircuts being off or him not being on time or him not knowing what he's doing. I could just go there, dap up with him, have a chat, have a conversation for 45 minutes to an hour and be out of there and leave with my hair looking amazing. There's so much less stress, less tension. So yes, am I spending an extra $20 than what I normally normally would spend if I just went to the place local to my house. Sure. But it has a good use case. I feel great. I look great after I have a haircut, all of those things. And it's okay to spend that little bit of extra money for convenience and to look good. Because there's a difference between spending money well and just trying to save money on every little thing. And I feel like that segues into something that is very, very... Relatable for me, and something that Ali talked about in the video is trying to save money on every little thing is overrated. When you're younger, your earning power is going to be at its like infancy stages, and the older we get, like I mentioned earlier, the more money we will make, anyways, in our twenties, thirties, or late twenties, thirties. 40s 50s whatever it is so if we have a little bit of money in our early 20s and again late teens if you're working and let's say if you have like five ten twenty five hundred dollars even a thousand dollars saved up why not spend that money on something like education that's another rule that I have my rule is that if I'm spending money on books or courses or something that will educate me, that money is always well spent. Instead of saving that money, why not invest it into myself? So that little money that I spend on, like I said, my education or even like a cool experience, like if I have the opportunity to, I don't know, like go fly out to a place for a couple of days to experience the city with some friends, all that stuff like Sure, I can, have, I can save a little bit of money, but I can also use that money to go have this cool experience because those op- opportunities won't come back, like, or you won't have as much opportunities to go do all those things in your later years in life. The earlier, like earlier in your teens and 20s, that's when you can spend that money and afford to spend that money to go and do these cool things. But there's like a like he t- he talks about how there's like too many rules that he has um in in the video. And here's the first one. He says that when we're young it's okay and it's even encouraged in my opinion, me personally, to spend money on things that will give you experiences of a lifetime. So, like traveling um and again, even better education because it gives you future returns to what you're already spending your money on. For example, you know, spending a thousand dollars to go to a different city for a seminar that you really enjoy, and there's some speakers that you like, you've read some of their books, you could learn from the stuff that they say, any Q and A's that they do. That type of information, that knowledge that you get, it'll pay off in five years or in three years or in two years when You can use that same information that you learn not only to increase your skills and your capabilities, but to teach someone else how to do that same exact thing. So that money that you spent on your education by being around all those cool people and learning from them, it had a very, very positive output in the future. Because you're able to teach someone or your skills got better, whatever it is. Same thing with traveling, man. I think... Honestly it's it's one of my one of my wants is to travel more in these and in, in like the next couple of years like I do want to start traveling a lot more because seeing people in different countries, seeing what their day to day lives are, seeing how different their livelihood is compared to here in America, I think it gives you like a sense of gratefulness and gratitude. So I always think those types of experiences are always worth it especially if you're able to do that when you're young. is something that I'm looking forward to, hopefully. I think it's always worth it. The second little mini rule that he has, and this one, again, disclaimer, not everyone is able to have this. Um, I had it for, you know, a majority of my life, so I'm really grateful for that, is if you have something or someone to fall back on, like parents, for example, to help you out, or if they have extra savings for you. So if you know that your parents have your back, they have a little bit of extra money for you that they'll give you anyway anyway, when you turn 18 or 21 for you to like go move out and live somewhere uh, just so you can afford to like rent while you're working or invest the money, whatever it is. If you have money saved up at a young age, there's no point in my opinion to save all that money. When you could just spend it, again, on experiences, education, um, meeting cool people, all those things. Mistake number four. This one is a big one. One that I'm trying to assess always is misjudging the value of our time. And Ali talks about this, um, how he read the book by Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Workweek. And he has, like, these two differences between absolute income and relative income. And before I even give you the definitions of both of those is that, or, you know, before I give you the definition, I think a lot of people do this with salaries. People accept, you know, high salary jobs because they just see the absolute number in the job description, $120,000 salary, base salary, plus Stock compensations, all that shit, or sixty thousand, whatever it is, any amount. They just see the salary amount and accept the job, not thinking about the hours of work actually involved. And you know what? For example, like I'll, I'll give my own personal example, right? Like so, for the job that I work at, the work that I do, let's just say I get work, I I, I get paid for forty hours a week. I get paid for forty hours plus any all the stuff that I sell and the commission and things like that. Me personally, I feel like in terms of actual focused work where I sit down and I'm actually, you know, dialing, prospecting, um, figuring out ways to build my funnel, just learning, acquiring knowledge and doing my actual job description, I'm probably actually working for like 20 hours, 25 hours at most. And this is my corporate job. 25 hours, I feel like at most where I'm like actually focused and working. And that leads me into what Tim Ferriss talks about the difference between absolute income and relative income. Absolute income is just one whole inalterable income. So the number just 100,000, and people just look at it as 100,000. Relative income, on the other hand, has two variables, and it's typically the dollar and the time. And it's typically measured in hours. So he- here's a here's a quick example um, that Ali showed in the video. Let's just say Bob, for example, makes $100,000 a year. He works 80 hours per week, 50 weeks per year, and he gets, or that broken down is $25 an hour in terms of what he's paid on an hourly basis based off of the amount of hours he works, the weeks he works, and his salary. Now let's take Sally, okay? I'm just throwing out random names here, but Sally, she makes $50,000 a year. She works 10 hours per week for the same amount, 50 weeks, throughout the year. So if you break that down, her actual compensation on an hourly basis is $100. So Bob's salary is higher, yet he works a lot more hours, and his hourly compensation rate is a lot lower than someone who's actually making fifty grand working less in terms of hours and their hourly rate is so much higher so you guys can see the difference between you know focusing on absolute income versus relative income and another thing that was mentioned in the video is um something that and i I actually heard about this before i even dove into this video but there's a man by the name of he's a serial entrepreneur his name is naval ravikant i think i don't know if i'm saying that right naval ravikant um, he talks about this idea of setting an aspirational hourly rate. And for him, <laughs> honestly, this one is like a little bit over the top. But what he set his hourly rate to when he was younger was $5,000 an hour, which is what he wanted to be compensated on a hourly basis. And if he wasn't paid, you know, five grand an hour, you know, he, he just like wouldn't do the job. I know that's a little bit of extreme, a little bit extreme. Not everyone has, you know, the capabilities in life to get to that level. But what we can do is set a realistic hourly rate and what your time is worth. Me personally and my point or where I'm at in my life, my aspirational hourly rate would probably be like $250 an hour. I don't know how I came up with that number. That's just my aspirational hourly rate. Maybe I need to think bigger, maybe I need to think a little bit smaller, but for me, getting compensated $250 an hour is an absolute gem for me at this point in my life and what I'm doing. So yours may look a little bit different, higher, lower, doesn't really matter, but just having that rate of what you feel like your time is worth, goes a long way in whether or not you decide to accept that next job or you take that interview or you accept that client for whatever business or whatever it is that you're doing. So yeah, those are my four key money mistakes to avoid in our late teens, our early 20s, just our early stages in life. I'll quickly recap. First one, you know, don't start investing too late if you have extra money invest it into something number two spending money on low value things if it's not worth it if you really ask yourself if you do you want it or do you just like the idea of it can you spend that money better somewhere else just don't spend money on things that are low value the third one stuck in the cheap skate mindset be a reasonable spender don't be a complete cheap ass but also, don't go out and spend five, $600 on every little thing. Pretty reasonable. Just spend the money on things that will give you a sense of easiness, have some sort of um, value behind them, and can essentially give you a lot of power in for your future. And the last one, just talked about it. Don't misjudge the value of your time. You are... The deciding factor on what you feel like you should be paid in your life. So with any steps that we take on our day-to-day life, we should always be assessing what this time is worth, especially if someone else is asking for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my breakdown of a few of the money mistakes I myself am personally trying to avoid. And hopefully if you are listening, hopefully care about, have some sort of value, and hopefully you guys can take these four nuggets and apply them into your life and i know this was a little bit different i know some of my other shit is like a lot more deeper but i really want to start talking a little bit more about like money and finance and just education in general because there's a lot of people who talk about it but i just want to be a little bit more authentic about you know my life my money the mistakes that i've made and things like that so The favorite part of every pod, the gentleman's agreement. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are new, the gentleman's agreement is the following. There's two sides to the agreement. My side is that I give you guys a pod every single day. No matter how I feel, no matter what I got to do, all the effort, any of that shit, it does not matter. I will give you a pod every day at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's my job. Your job is just as important, if not more important. Follow this pod. Follow this pod on... Spotify to climb up the rankings of the podcasting world. Number two, give me a five-star rating. It helps me feel good about this pod, but you can also be honest. If you want to break my heart, give me a one-star rating. Hell, give me a four-star rating. That's cool. I appreciate the honesty, but it will break my heart. And lastly, share this pod with someone who may get something good out of this. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I know I haven't been doing those gargantuan sharing talks about like who to share this pod with, but hey, just share it with someone that, you know, may may like this pod, may like some of the things that I have to say. They may not, but hey, share it with them and see where it goes. Peeps, people, my listeners, whatever you want to call it. I appreciate y'all so much for listening to episode number 35. We're closing in on 50. 15 more episodes and we get to 50. Man, I got to do something cool for 50, 100. I don't know, man. I I got a lot of shit to figure out on some of the stuff that I want to do, but we'll get there. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Make sure you take care. Tell someone that you love them, and go do something that will bring a smile on your face today. Peace. See you all tomorrow.